What's going on, everybody? I'm today's host, Will Button. Joining me in the studio is Jonathan Hall. Hello, everyone. How's it going? It's going well over here. So you just mentioned turning on the air conditioner and you're in the Netherlands, right? Yeah, I'm in the Netherlands. I think think the high was 21, which is what, 70, 70, 68, 70 degrees Fahrenheit. But I'm in the attic, so uh, it's the warmest part of the house. So it's probably 30 degrees in here before I turn on the AC. Right on. Which is what, 80? I don't know. I grew up in Fahrenheit, but I've completely forgotten it all. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. Cool. So today we're going to talk about some modern updates to CICD. And what triggered this conversation is over the last couple of weeks, I've deployed a couple of web apps. One I deployed on Cloudflare pages. The other one was a Next.js app that I deployed using Vercel, who makes Next.js. And the thing that really stood out to me was the whole deployment process on both of those. I had my web application and I just logged into the provider, pointed them to that specific GitHub repo and clicked deploy. And it runs the NPM build process. It transpiled the TypeScript to JavaScript. It made sure that the build ran okay and then put it out live for me. And in the case of the Next.js app on Vercel, it also took a look at all of the images in my web app and resized those so that whenever a client views that, they only download an image that's optimized for the browsing environment that they're in, which I thought was super cool. That is cool. Yeah. So the the thing that got me thinking on that was that was pretty easy. So why would I ever use Jenkins again? And I think that's kind of, that's a, a lofty goal for all of us. Jenkins, I have this love-hate relationship with it, you know, where I hate it. But when you need something that has to do some unknown task. It's it's like the go-to machine for that. Yeah, I don't have a lot of first-hand experience with Jenkins, so I can't really comment to that. The job I just started is using Jenkins and GitHub Actions. So I'll be pushing to standardize on one or the other, and probably that will be GitHub Actions. But 
I, yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this a few episodes ago when we talked about CICD tools and Jenkins was, was the one that I, I don't know, maybe I joined the game late because I feel like I'd never really, it, it was already out of style by the time I, I started doing CICD. And, and so that, that's the reason I guess I've never really played with it. But I like, I like what you said about these new tools. Is there a name for this class of tool? Is it just a deployment tool or, or is there a specific name to talk about these types of things you're, you're describing? That's a great question. I don't know if there is a name because it's kind of it's kind of doing CICD for web apps, but it, they don't really use the term CICD anywhere in their documentation. They just say, yeah, we're going to deploy this for you and don't really elaborate on all the things that they're doing behind the scenes that you would have to do manually if you were to take this on yourself. Now, they don't host your code, right? You still use GitHub or GitLab or something like that. and it just Right, yeah. All the code is still in GitHub. Yeah. So and, when um, you, when you do, I think we're talking over each other. So, so when, you do, when you push, you merge or whatever, then this tool picks it up, does the build, does the deployment. Does it run tests and, and linting and all that stuff for you also? Or, or do, you, do you have to can still configure that in your in your github actions or or whatever or jenkins <laughs> it will yeah you can you you can set it up in your in your build command to run whatever command you want so you can run test and uh and lint and different things like that so it'll take care of that for you as well very cool yeah shoot you asked something in there and then i totally spaced what it was <laughs> <laughs> So I'm curious, this Vercel in particular, you said that if you're using Next.js as your framework, that it has these extra capabilities. And you mentioned specifically the imagery sizing. Right. Why does that depend on Next.js? How, I understand they're from the same, same uh, company, but what kind of hooks do the, does this have in the Next? And yeah, what, what's the relationship, the technical relationship between those two? That's part of what, so Next.js is built on top of React. And that's one of the things that they, the problem they chose to solve is optimizing images because you usually have to take care of that yourself. And so they just built that into the Next.js framework. And you can use other providers to do it. But one of the advantages to using Vercel is when they see you using a Next.js app, they know that the image optimization is a, a thing they can take care of for you. Some of the other things that they do, and this is specific again to Next.js, but by using Actually, this will work, I think, regardless of hosting on Vercel or not. One of the things you run into with React and other JavaScript single-page apps is SEO doesn't really work because you have to load the JavaScript to get it, right? And so with Next.js, it will actually, if you use the Next link component and the Next page component, then whenever they do the build and deploy, it actually renders those as HTML pages. So then something crawling your site can actually see those. It falls in, that falls into the whole category of static site generation, SSG. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah, it was cool. So I think the, like the big thing that I wanted to talk about there is if we have tools like this that allow developers to go to production doing a, a build and test and lint process without having to have a CI CD server. What does that mean for the future of DevOps, if anything? Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's always going to be a class of, of applications that these serve, these sort of out of the box tools can't accommodate. So maybe that's a good place to start or to talk next is, you know, what, what kinds of applications does this work with? When do you cross that line into something that this can't? Mm-hmm. 
can't do for you. So if you're building a, a static site, it sounds like it, it's a no-brainer. This should work for you. A static site with front-end logic should work for you. Does it work if you have a database? If you're using MySQL or Mongo, will it work in that case? And if so, how? Obviously, if you're using Next.js, you have some back-end logic too. So I'm, I'm assuming there's something happening in the back-end. But yeah, at what point do you reach the level where these tools won't work for your application. Yeah, they will. They both Cloudflare pages and Vercel have support for serverless functions. So if you're running serverless, you can use them for that as well. I think where you fall into the area where this isn't going to work is if you have a full blown backend API, specifically running in a cloud environment like AWS, where you're talking to RDS or running inside a VPC. So I think anywhere, anytime you're not going to host the application on those providers, you kind of break that chain of their offering. So it's dependent on you running on their platform when they do the CICD mm-hmm. or the deploy process. All right. So so you can use you can do serverless. You can obviously run your own backend, but I, I suppose if you wanted to do like a microservices architecture, it would it would probably not work. If you needed uh yeah any, anything particularly custom, it sounds like if you, if you fit within their framework, then then it's pretty powerful. Is that yeah. is that fair? Yeah, that based on my early experimentation with it, that seems pretty accurate. I think one of the other places where it may not fit is if you already have an existing Jenkins or GitLab infrastructure that does all of these things. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't drop that just to go run off and do this. Mm-hmm. So I, I played with GitLab. A few years ago, they have a, a feature. I, I'm pretty sure they still have it. They're called Auto DevOps. And I, I played this one. It was pretty new. I'm sure it's better now. But it, basically, if you had a Git repository with a Docker file in it, it could automatically deploy it to Kubernetes. And it would deploy an instance of it for each pull request you, or each merge request you created. So it would give you these sort of preview environments for every pull request. And then once you hit merge, it would deploy it to production. Or you could configure it to go to staging or whatever you wanted. So pretty pretty sweet. But it had the same limitation that, you know, it worked for basically a single Docker file application. So once you had microservices or even multiple micro or not multiple services or you wanted to add yeah, anything com- complex, it, it started to be very difficult or impossible to use. So it sounds like kind of the same sort of scenario, which I don't see that as a bad thing. I mean, in a lot of ways, we could design our apps with these with these deployment approaches in mind, right? I mean, you, you do that anyway. If you're if you're if you're building for Kubernetes, you're going to build your app a certain way. So, is it that much different to build your app for Vercel? If as long as it's you know within the realm of possibility that your app can fit there, I don't think it's so bad. So, so yeah, I think it's kind of cool. It's kind of a I, I, I kind of see an I don't know what the new hashtag is going to be, but it's going to have no in the word, <laughs> no DevOps or, <laughs> or, or something. <laughs> That's it. We've got to. We've got to drop this call and go jump on Twitter so we can grab that hashtag first. (laughs) Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out 
how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Yeah, no, I think you bring up a good point. It's a If you fit in that framework or that's a framework you want to fit into, then build your apps to utilize that. And then when it doesn't work, this, this is probably going to hit really close to home to me. When it doesn't work, stop hitting it with a hammer trying to make it work. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah, so there you go. I thought that was pretty cool. I thought it was a, just a really great experience just to be able to connect my GitHub repo to it and hit deploy and have it run. And I didn't really have to build any of the pipeline or build the steps in order to make it go live. Mm-hmm. That is pretty sweet. I get there's a there's a part of me that I mean, on the one hand, I could see that that's super, super slick. I wish I could do that with all my apps. Then there's the, the other part of me that thinks, uh, what am I losing by giving up all of this control? Uh, and, and, you know, for some, some apps, I don't care. Like my website, I, I would be happy to, to deploy in a, in a, in a way like this. You know, if I could just point, uh, point it to something. And I kind of do. I use Firebase to deploy my website. So it's not quite as hands off as what you're describing, but for some things, like, I, I really feel better. And I don't know if it, I'm, I'm trying to decide if it's rational. Do I, is it rational that I feel better setting up environment variables and tagging things for release or whatever? You know, I, I, I don't know. It's, I feel like I'm giving up control if I do that, but I don't know if it's a rational feeling. Yeah, I think for me, one of the areas that stands out is more along the lines of talking to other services, like talking to databases or Redis caches or different things like that, or where we have potentially sensitive stuff. I like to have a little extra control to make sure or to see that those conversations are happening where I want them to happen, like behind a firewall or within a VPC or even over SSL, which I I guess it's kind of limited. You know, I think um, I think I kind of feel the same way that you're describing there is I I still want kind of want control until I build up a layer of trust with this model. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of true for all third party services, you know, it's, it's easy to give control over to them. But then when things go wrong, do they have the responsibility? Or do you have the responsibility? Right. And certainly there are things where I'm happy to give up the responsibility. And there are other things where I'm not. <laughs> I think it depends on yeah. the business I'm in, you know, uh, and how critical the, the service is to my, my core business operation. Yeah, I agree. Like there's some some services and some data sets where you just can't let go of control, no matter what the vendor or provider is promising. Mm-hmm. Do you see this sort of technology being used? Can you imagine it being used heavily in large enterprises, or is it more of a small business uh, type of type of thing? My gut reaction or my gut feeling on this is it won't be adopted by enterprise, but it's going to happen a lot like the AWS implementation did where enterprise departments struggled to move at the speed they wanted to move at because of the the enterprise constraints. And then they'll discover this, throw it on a manager's credit card and go rogue outside of the approved path. Right. Yeah. That's good. That's powerful. And and I'm all, which is one of the reasons I wanted to bring. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring it up here because that's how AWS happened for a lot of the companies I worked with. And so I thought by talking about it here, we can, you know, bring it to a broader audience and let everyone who's practicing DevOps have some uh, early exposure to it and know that this might be something they 
will have to deal with in the future or might already have in their environment. They just don't know it. So let's let's talk about that angle. What does this mean for DevOps? I mean, I don't think it's going to replace uh, traditional infrastructure, not for a long time, but it may, you know, people will start to use it to circumvent traditional infrastructure if that traditional infrastructure is too slow. So what, what does that mean? Like, imagine you're in a company and you're on the on the operations or DevOps team or you're in that role and you're managing Kubernetes and you discover that someone on the team is doing Vercel deployments. What does or what should that mean for you? Should you care? Should you be upset? Should you be happy? Uh, should you just know about it so that you can make sure that security procedures are being followed, et cetera? What's what's the correct response? As always, you know, it the answer is it depends. <laughs> I think it depends on the like we talked about just a minute ago, the level of uh, security around the data, you know, the type of environment that you're in. And does it pose any additional security risks by doing so? Are you risking are you putting your your organization at risk by granting this third party provider access to your GitHub repo or by letting them host your site? My feeling is probably not for a lot of cases. So I would tend to, instead of forbidding it, I would tend to roll with it, but integrate the ops team into it so that they know that it's there, that they actually have access to it and they can be part of that transition and try it out and see if it actually does improve the efficiency of your organization and then formally adopt it or try it out find the roadblocks that you hit along the way and say, okay, well, we tried it and it didn't work. So what else can we do that gives you these features you're looking for without hitting those roadblocks? Mm -hmm. Let's look at it from maybe the opposite side. Suppose that you are an infrastructure sort of team, but you're Mm -hmm. way overworked and people are asking to deploy things faster. Uh, Should you suggest this sort of thing to them? Uh, And... uh, (laughs) What level of involvement should you should you maintain, or should you just say, just just point them to it and say go do this, or is there room for the DevOps professionals among us to to help support these sort of deployments? Yeah, I think it's worth. I think yeah, the the whole answer here comes down to communication. It's totally acceptable and a good idea to point out, saying, hey, here's this thing that looks like it would give us these features. We'd really like to try it, and then have that conversation with the architects and engineers who are building and maintaining your infrastructure to get their input and say, oh, we we actually already have this. Y'all just haven't ever used it. Or, yeah, this looks like something we could probably integrate in. Or, no, we're not going to do that. And here are the reasons why. Mm-hmm. It comes down to a lot of awkward conversations, really. <laughs> That's my life. I have awkward conversations all day at work. And then I come home, talk to my wife, and have more awkward conversations. Cool. Is there anything else to talk about here? Should we make it a short episode? Yeah, I think we've got a short episode. We kind of covered it. It's definitely worth checking out. Either it's something you can adopt in your organization, or maybe it'll give you some ideas about some new things you can implement on your existing build processes. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. Right on. Should we uh, move on to some picks? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So my first pick is 
really wild. It's off the wall. So take that for what it's worth. It's a short story called All You Zombies by Robert Heinlein, who's he's considered the greatest and most influential science fiction writer of the 20th century and supposedly was the influence behind a bunch of modern sci-fi writers. And this is a really short story called All You Zombies. And I'm not going to say anything to like ruin the plot, except, dude, that was messed up. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're into sci-fi, check that out if you haven't already. My other pick is a few weeks ago, we talked about Pulumi, and I used it to deploy some... uh, a TypeScript app. And we talked a little bit about using it for Go because that was one of the features I found cool about Pulumi is that it supported multiple languages. So recently I deployed a backend API that I'm working on. It's written in Go. So I used Pulumi with the Go libraries to deploy it to my AWS infrastructure. And so I deployed it, I built some new AWS resources, and I used some of the existing AWS resources that I already had in my account and deployed this app. And it was really, really cool. I was super happy with the way it turned out. And I recorded everything. So it turned into an hour-long video out on my YouTube channel. So I will put a link to it down in the show notes to that video. So if you're interested in Pulumi, want to see how it works with Go, I think it's totally worth checking out. So there you go. Awesome. Well, I just have one pick today, and that is a place I'm going to be speaking. So if you live in Europe, this pick is for you, particularly if you live in Austria or somewhere near Austria. In September, actually on September 15th, which happens to be my birthday, I will be speaking at the Agile Tour Vienna 2022. And I'm going to be talking about CICD. So you have to be there if you're a DevOps person and you live in that area. It's just right on. Yeah, that'll be cool. I think the tickets are are still available. I think they're about 150 euros, if I'm not mistaken. Just find the link in the show notes or Google for Agile Tour Vienna 2022, and you will find all the information you need that I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) If nothing else, it's a reason to go to Vienna. That's right. And and we, we all need more reasons to go to Vienna because it's a great city. Yeah, for sure. Have you been have you been there before, Will? I've been there very, very briefly, but I have been there, yeah. Me too. I was there for one night or maybe even just a lunch stop on a road trip. But looking forward. I'll spend two nights there and a day and hopefully meet some uh some great people and talk about C I C D. Should be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. And it's amazing. Just as we're wrapping this podcast up, your audio's crisp and clear. The video I looks great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Technology. Yep. Pays the bills. All right. It does. Until next so, time, guys. Yeah. See you. Cheers. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C A C H E F L Y dot com to learn more.